Good morning, everyone. I really want to thank the, uh, particularly the PA team for all your hard work. They've, they've got a new piece of, a new toy, really. They've got a new, what's called a digital desk. And uh, I think, Simon, you were up here 15 hours yesterday. Is that right? Something like that. Um, well done, Simon. I mean, there are many people working really hard to get this building right. And uh, we don't see all that goes on. And uh, is, that, is that working? Yes. What's that? What's wrong? What are you laughing at? It went quiet. Yay, he's finished. <laughs> I've got a real challenge on my hands this morning. And um, I'm preaching from a challenging passage. like um, Punch and Judy. It's gone quiet. Okay. Um, shall I change? Shall I persevere, Simon, or change? Change? I'm going to go for the handheld. Okay. Does that, is that working? Okay. Can you turn, if you've got a Bible, turn in, turn in it to Colossians chapter 3. If you haven't, um, get yourself one. Um, and it's going to come up behind me anyway, but it's good to have a Bible, isn't it? Bring it to church. Um, Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you. And, you, and as, you read, as, I, as we read this together, you'll understand why I'm saying this is a challenging passage to try and get through this morning. All right? Colossians chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to begin at verse 18 down to chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And I'm not going to, just just from the outset, they they didn't get it wrong. The word is submit, okay? Sorry, it's it's there. So I'm I'm going to touch on these things. But this is what it says. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love. That's what it says. Love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents. It's a shame, really, that the New Day guys are away. Because I really wanted to address this to our young people. But anyway. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Now, in this context, we can talk about, although there is slavery still going on around the world and some of the products we buy actually enslave people in other nations. I'm not going to talk about that this morning. But we can, in our context, talk about employees and employers. So I'm still going to use the word slaves, but just have that in mind. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So when your boss is away, 
when your boss isn't looking, when you, you know, it's to serve them and do it really well when they're not watching. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Just bear that in mind. In all those relationships, it's Jesus you're serving. It's Jesus. He's your Lord. He's he's the one you're actually serving. It's Him. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there is no favoritism. So having said all those things, submit, love, obey. There's no favoritism. Masters or employers, provide your slaves what is right and fair. Some of you will be employers, or some of you will want to be employers. It would be great, wouldn't it, for Hastings, for more of you to become employers, wouldn't it? To to bless the town with business. As employers, God has something to say to you. Do what is right, do what is fair, because you know that you also have a master, or an employer, as it were, in heaven. As you can see, those words are challenging, aren't they? There's an awful lot in there. And many of you will have different questions, because some of those will will apply particularly to you, and some of them will apply more to others. And you'll be thinking, well, what does that mean for me? Now, I'll touch on some of it, but I'm not going to answer all your questions. I'm going to open up a can of worms, and it's, it's to us and to, to all of us as Christians, if you are a Christian, to carry on working through the things and the questions that you have from today. If you're not a Christian this morning, I hope what you'll see is that you, you will know that there is a crisis, isn't there? There is a crisis in family. There is a crisis amongst our young people. Um, just the other night, I mean, I, I prayed it at the men's prayer meeting this morning. We had our youth work up here, or was it last Friday, the Friday before, the last one of the term. And I was here and um, talking to our young people and uh, encouraging them. And what happened was we played some games out on the back, and there was a group of youngsters, they must have been from about 17 up to 19, 20. And they were, they were getting stoned, you know, smoking you know, marijuana and so on. They were, they, they drink. Uh, they girl, there were girls, there were guys there, all, you know, all kind of just hanging out. And my heart went out to them, you know. I thought these guys, they don't know Christ. They don't know these young ladies here that are with these guys, do they understand the dignity and love of God? Do they know how valuable they are? That's how I feel about them. These young men that are there, getting stoned. That's what I used to do when I was their age. Many of you would have done the same. Because you're empty inside. It's not because you're free that you get stoned. It's because you are lacking something. So you try to fill it. Drugs, alcohol, relationships. And I'm looking at these guys and my heart is going out to them. 
And I want, I love, I'd love us as a church to be able to reach these people. But the, well, the truth is, we had to send them away. They were stoned drunk. We had a group of youngsters from 11 years old. But I'd love us to reach them. What I'm trying to say is this. We've got answers for the world out there. We've got answers to broken relationships. We've got answers to what it means to be a woman, to what it means to be a man, a real man and a real woman. We've got answers to how you can feel and be dignified and know who you are. Okay? We've got those answers through Christ. And I found the greatest joy in knowing Jesus. Have you? Yeah, I struggle sometimes. But we found the greatest joy in knowing him. And as we look at different relationships here, I hope if you're a visitor here this morning, you'll see that actually these things aren't here to bind you up and wreck your life. These things are here to set you free to be who God wants you to be, which is to live your life and a real life, a full life, a fulfilling life, an eternal life as well. God is so very good to us. So the title of my preach this morning is Life in Family and Work. And if I can just draw your attention to the notes that you've got in your update. If you didn't get them, you can get them as you leave. Um, There are some resources at the end, which if you have... If you're not a great reader, I've put some internet sites there. Um, which are really good. You can download some MP3 or you can listen to them online. Um, There's a couple of books there as well because I will not answer all your questions. Particularly if you you are a good... you know, if, If you enjoy reading, the one at the top, John Piper and Wayne Gruden, Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, is an amazing book. And it will answer pretty much every question you ever have. You may not like the answers... But he he will answer what the Bible does teach about relationships. So I've just read to you, Colossians 3, 18 to 4, 1. And what I really want to say this morning to all of us, to me, to you, is that we, we are to be active, proactive, faith filled in our relationships. Whatever your relationship is, maybe you're married, maybe you're single. Maybe you're an employer. Maybe you're an employee. Whatever, you have relationships, don't you? You have different relationships. God wants you to be active, to be full of faith, to be a blessing in every relationship you have. God wants you not to be passive, apathetic. God doesn't want us just to go with the flow in our relationships, like... Oh yeah, here I'm married, I'm now married, let's just go with the flow. Or I'm single, oh let's just go with the flow. Let's just let's just let the days take take bring what they bring what comes, you know. Day to day, day he wants you to take active responsibility for your relationships. Are you a brother? Are you a sister? Are you a mother? A single parent, a married parent, a father, wherever you are, God wants you to take active 
responsibility. That's what I w- want you to leave with this morning, even if I don't give any, a- any other answers. Active responsibility. If you're a wife, God wants you to take hold of that role. God wants you to learn from his words how to be the best wife you can be and to be a blessing in the household. As I said, if you're single or a husband, likewise. To, to embrace the role and relationship God has given you actively. Actively. The church... What is the church? I remember when I first joined this church, which is in 1991, we were very fond of saying, we don't say it as much anymore. I remember whenever I came to church on a Sunday morning, someone would always read Romans chapter 8, every Sunday morning. Therefore there is now no condemnation in Christ. Do you remember those days? Every Sunday morning someone would bring that Bible verse. Come on guys, some of you need to bring that Bible verse more often. No condemnation in Christ. And people would always say the church isn't a building. The church is the people. That's right. It's relationships. It's the people. That used to be said probably every, I don't know, every preach. And I want to say it again this morning. The church is the people. It's you. If you're a Christian, it's you, Simon. It's you, Simon. It's, it's you. It's every one of you. If you're a Christian, it's not the building. The building's lovely. It keeps the rain off. In the winter, it keeps us warm. It's great to come together, to worship God together. But it's just a building. It's not holy. It's, not, it's, not, nothing, it's made out of metal, most of it, rotting away. We're doing it up a bit. But it's not as valuable as you. The only reason why we're doing up the building is for you and for those out there. Amen? Those who don't know Christ yet, it's for them. The money you give to the gift days, the reason why we invest any money in any of this is for people, for relationships. We want them to know God and we want them to know each other. We want deep relationships with God and with one another. Church is relationships. And as we've been looking through Colossians, we've been seeing that. We've been seeing in chapter 3, verse 12, you are God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved. Relationships. Chosen people. Holy, dearly loved. Somebody read in the, in the prayer meeting this morning, Brian, a friend of mine, he read this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a, a, sorry, rises to become a temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. You are living stones. You are the church of the living God. In you, the Spirit dwells. And as we come together, the Spirit's with us. He wants to speak to us. You understand your identity? You're the church. Not the building. You are the church. You are the church. But those relationships within the church are different. There are different roles within the church. We've just read some of them. Husbands, wives, children, slaves, slave masters. The Bible addresses those who are single, those who are elders. 
those who are deacons. Different gifts, different ministries, we're all different. There are different kinds of role, different kinds of relationship. The world, I mean, sorry, the, when I may say the world, I mean, outside the church, there is a, what's called a, a homogenization of humanity. People are saying, men and women, there's no great difference between them. Androgyny. It doesn't, the way you dress can be the same, the way you act can be the same. There's no difference between men and women. They're exactly the same. In fact, there's also no difference between children and adults. In fact, children can be in authority over adults. And so on. Some of you are sitting there going, Amen, preach it, brother. Children in authority. Yeah, preach it, brother. And some of you are saying, Yeah, men and women, exactly the same. No. We just read it. God made man and woman. They are different. Children are different. We are different. And I want to talk to you about the differences within the relationships. My first point is this. And this is different to your notes, i.e. that I've just turned the points around. It says this. Or rather, I'm saying this. First point, our relationships are to be God-shaped relationships. Our relationships are to be God-shaped relationships. I could say so much this morning. There is so much to say. On this point, what I'm saying is this. If you're a wife, if you're a husband, if you're a child, if you're a single person, if you're an employer, employed, whatever you are, whatever role you have, whatever relationship you have, it needs to be God-shaped. And what do I mean by that? I mean, in his word, it gives you understanding of your responsibilities, how you live out those roles in your life. We've just talked about husbands and wives, how there needs to be submission, authority, and submission within marriage. Now you may be saying, but how does that work out? I'll talk a bit about it in a minute. But really, you may still leave this building saying, well, how does that work out? And you may go on for the rest of your life saying, how does that work out? But work on it. Keep working on it. Keep studying it. Keep thinking, how do I submit well? And how do I, as a husband, love well? How do I do it? What does it mean in, the, in, in God's eternal word for me to do that? My relationship needs to be God-shaped. In other words, what does God say about how you live as a husband or a wife, as a child, as an employer, an employer, a single person, etc.? What does God say about it? Because the world has lots to say about it. Some of it good, some of it bad. But we need to learn from God. But not only does it need to be God-shaped in that sense, but I want to talk to you about the Trinity this morning. Oh yes, even the Trinity is going to be included. You know the Trinity? God is one, but he is three. How can that be true? The Bible says so. God is one, and he is three. It's one of the mysteries of who God is. And who would want to serve a God that you could completely understand? Would you? If you could completely understand God, do you not think that God should have mystery to him? Should you not, do you not think the eternal God, even calling God eternal sounds mysterious to me. He's eternal? Wow. He is three and he is one. What do I mean by that? The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit have been in a joyful, fully satisfied relationship for eternity. Get that, okay? For eternity, the Father, 
the Son and the Holy Spirit have been in relationship, joyfully enjoying one another in union for eternity. And that reflects, when I say your relationships have got to be God-shaped, what I mean is this. Just like God is in relationship, there is a unity, there is a plurality, there is um, sameness, yet uniqueness. Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father. When we pray, we don't say, Father, I love you, Holy Spirit, because they're different persons, yet they are one God. So there, are, there, there is equality, yet difference within the relationship. Do you get that? Equality, yet difference within God himself. Even God himself has submission and authority. So if God himself has to submit and take authority, then we ourselves, in our relationships, have submission and authority. It's God-shaped. You understand? It's shaped like God. How are we doing this morning? Are we, are, we, are we awake this morning? I know it's a bit warm in here. I know it's a bit, you know, but try and stay with me. God is Trinity in unity. In the beginning, when God made man, he said this. Then God said, let us, that's plural by the way, let us, let us, so God said, let us. It'd be strange, wouldn't it? And Matt said, let us make a plasticine man in our image. And Matt said, and let us doesn't make sense, does it? But God can say, let us make man in our image. In our likeness. Let them. That's interesting. He said, let us make man. Let them. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created man, single, in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So man has diversity to him. He is male and female. Yeah? God is Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Man is male and female. They are different. Never should, never should they be... They are the same. They're not the same. God made them male and female. And together, they are to rule over the earth. Together, they are to rule over the earth. So just like God, there is equality and difference. So, in mankind, there is equality and difference. I hope you're getting this. I could say a lot about the Trinity. But I won't. I think you get the point. I want to highlight equality and difference within God. There is equality and difference also in man and his various relationships. Complementary relationships, not uniform relationships. We're not called to be the same. No individual is called to be the same. But certainly, man and woman are not called to be the same. And I, I want you to bear in mind here, you may be picking up, and I hope I'm not just giving it to you, we're not just talking about men and women here. 
There's lots, of, there's lots of roles we talked about in that passage. Slaves or employees, employers, children. All those relationships are different, but they're equal but different before God. So some initial thoughts then quickly on authority and submission. Those words, I don't know how they go down well, how they go with you. Authority sounds negative. No, I don't, I don't believe in authority. Submission? No, I don't, I don't believe in submission. That's negative. That's bad. Well, the Bible talks about it. Authority and submission. In different roles, we see that sometimes you will have authority. Sometimes you'll be in authority. Sometimes you are the parent of the child. The child will one day become a parent and be in authority. If you are the husband you are in authority in the household. If you are the wife, you're in authority. Sometimes you're in authority and sometimes you are in submission, just like God. Let me just talk a bit more about this. Authority and submission, I've mentioned it, is like God, like this. Let's read this about Jesus. You may be saying, there's no way I'm submitting. Well, Let's talk about the Son of God, the King of Kings, Jesus, the Eternal God. Let's talk about his, his attitude to authority and submission. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Did you get that? He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. It's Jesus, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why did Jesus die? Well, he died because he loves you. He served you because he loves you. But do you know also why he died? He died because he was asked to. He died because the Father asked him to. He was in in submission to his Father. The Father wanted a rescue plan. The Father wanted to redeem you. The Father, the world was in rebellion to God. God wanted to save people. And he asked his Son, the eternal Son of God, to come into the world and die for you. So authority and submission. Is it too good for you? Is it too bad for you to submit? Well, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Let's read this then, shall we, about about, uh, authority and submission. I want you to realise, I know this is, uh, the head of every man, sorry, yes, right, the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. The head of Christ is God. I hope you heard the last bit. Didn't you just hear the bit where you thought that sounds a bit heavy? The head of Christ is God. What I'm pointing out is this. Jesus is in submission to his head. Jesus is in submission to the Father. So, we need to be at some points in submission and in some points 
in authority, just like Jesus, God-shaped. Just like Jesus. There's equality of status, but difference in role in God. And children are equal to me, to you. My children are equal to me before God. In fact, Jesus holds them up as an example of the kind of people we're to imitate in their childlike faith, their childlike joy, their childlike trust. They are equal, but they are not in authority. There's a difference in role. I am in authority. Helen is in authority. In our household, I am in authority as the husband, just like Christ. It's hard to hear, I know, and you may, you may be thinking I've got lots and lots of questions. Please take those questions away, take them to God, take them to the Bible, take them to, take them to some good books, pray about it, think about it, and come to some conclusions. Let's put it like this, right? Authority and submission is in the Trinity. Authority and submission is also in an eldership team. It's in church leadership. In this church, we have what's called elders. In the Bible, elders oversee the church. And some of you, some of you know me and Paul. At the moment, there are only two elders. Nigel's gone off to Berlin to plant another church. We're going to see him tomorrow, actually, me and the family. It's going to be good. And um, we need more elders. Keep praying for them. Keep praying for us as a church. We need more elders. But in the Bible, elders are in authority in the church. And some of you, if you don't know me, you might be thinking, that means you're in charge and, you look, and that means you boss people around, right? I hope if you know me, you know I don't boss you around. Yeah? You know I, I don't boss you around, do I? Do I? Come on, guys. I if I do, please tell me. All right? My heart is never to boss you around, right? My heart is to set you an example. My heart is that I would set you an example in how to live and live for Jesus and would be worthy of your giving of yourself in submission. But let me just talk about it, okay? In church, there is authority and submission. Authority and submission. The elders... Our in authority, to, and, and our authority comes from the Word of God. So I can't be telling you, you know, basically, if you're in sin, and it's in the Word of God, I'll come to you and I'll say, and, and we, need, we do this to each other, won't we? Brother, sister, the way you're living, I, I really want to talk to you. You know I love you, you know I'm for you. Um, the way you're gossiping, I, th I think that was gossip the other day, when you said about that, and, and really it wasn't very helpful. Then that is... That's how I would um, bring my authority to you. And, and obviously we do that to each other. But what I want to point out to you is, is this, really. In the eldership team, there used to be three of us when Nigel was here, there is authority and submission. So at the moment, Paul Mann leads the eldership team. Okay? I am in submission to Paul Mann. I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't do. Do you understand? All morning this morning, I've had Paul Mann's head on. He's not here. He's on holiday. He's not. He's a new day. Call that a holiday, I suppose. <laughs> you know. 
yeah, in the rain, four children in a tent. Um, one of them, I think they got colds, so they're having good fun. Um, but I've had Paul Mann's head on. I, not really. I mean, what I've been doing is I've been thinking, what would Paul Mann think about how it's going this morning? Do you, you see what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not, he's not phoning me up saying, Matt, make sure at 5-2 you do this. At 10-2 you do that. What clothes are you wearing this morning? Trainers? On a Sunday? You mustn't be doing that. Do you understand? That's, but I, I, have a, I have voluntarily given my submission to Paul. I'm still an elder of the church. I'm in authority. But that doesn't mean to say I don't submit to him. I have had quite a few ideas. Right? I would like to do this. I would like to do that. And sometimes he just says, no, we're not doing it. After consideration. And you know that feeling inside? But I think it's right. I think you're wrong. Fact. I'm not, I'm not sure you're a Christian. But you know what happens? I've learnt, not all the time, to bite my lip. To go and take it to prayer. To know that I can trust God. To know that even if he's right or wrong... He's responsible before God for the decision he's making. I am submitting on this occasion. Now, if it was sin, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about, you know, things like how we do the building work, the colours we paint, the walls, all that kind of stuff. You know, lots of, well, lots of other things as well. But what I'm saying is I'm not asking you to do anything I don't do myself. Wives, submit your husbands. Husbands, Love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Employees, work really hard for God as you serve your boss. Employers, treat them with respect, dignity, fair pay. Support them. Discipline them if necessary. But I'm not asking you to do anything I don't do. We all have to do it. Sometimes we're in authority, sometimes we're in submission, in different situations. So God-shaped relationships. Okay, let me just mention a few things. So biblical submission to authority is biblical. You can read through the whole of Scripture, you'll see it. It's based on God's identity, so we submit and we take authority because God himself in the Trinity has submission and authority. We, we see it in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus submits to his Father. So wives, as you submit to your husband's leadership, sounds like a, sounds like a wedding, as you submit to your lead, husband's leadership, you're just behaving like Jesus who submitted to his Father's leadership. Husbands, as you love your wives. Remember, it's servant leadership. It's Christ-like leadership. It's like Jesus. Based on God and his identity. Biblical submission is to God first. So I'm a husband to Helen before God. I'm, I'm, respond, you know, I'm doing it for God. Ha Helen, my wife, Submits, supports, helps me 
before God. Children, we obey our parents, we honour them before God. Employees and employers, we do it before God. And that, what that means really is this, that you, you mustn't be led into sin. So you might be saying, oh, but what happens if my husband tells me to go and rob a bank? We're short on cash, dear. You've got to obey the Bible. The Bible says you're to submit. Go rob the bank. No. I'm not robbing the bank. In a, in a nice way. <laughs> oh, my dear, I don't think that's probably right. No. You're talking it through, okay? So you're doing it before God. So you're never led into sin. It involves the mind and dialogue. So I try and teach my children, if, if you don't like what I'm asking, don't just say, no, I'm not doing it. Say, can I please stay up for a few, you know, for a few minutes longer because I'm really liking this Lego that I'm doing. Could I just finish it off? Because that's a, that's a dialogue, isn't it? It's, a, it's, a, it's a how we want people to behave. It's kind of obvious, really. But I'd rather, you know, that is a, that is a good way to, to, to kind of talk, talk it through, if you disagree. And the answer may still be no, or it may be yes. But as I said to them, you're more likely to get a yes if you talk to me like that. So it's dialogue. And, and some of the books I've, I've mentioned in the back of this um, your pamphlet you've got. Talk about having that dialogue with your husband, with your wife. If I feel to do something in the house, I don't just say, we are doing this. We are going to do this. What, what we tend to do is, we say, it will be good if we did this. We talk it through. We pray about it. Helen may have great um, reservations about it that I need to hear and listen, and I may change my mind and change our course of direction based upon her input as well. So there is lots of dialogue. So don't throw your mind out. Talk about the decisions you're making. Our leadership and submission are selfless. What... My leadership of the church with Paul is not for me. Okay, it's not for me. It's not for my it's not for my ego. It's not for how good I look in the New Frontiers magazine. My leadership of you is for your good, but most importantly for the glory of God. I serve you. You may not think I do it as well as I should, and I know I don't, but I do. I serve you. I want you to be mature in Christ, is what Paul says in Colossians. I want you to be mature. I want you to be, to, to be strong. I want you to enjoy life in God. That's what I want for you. Sometimes I may have to challenge you. I may say to you, come on guys, you're not, you're not, what, you're not involved. You're on the fringes. Why are you not in the centre? Come in the centre. Get more involved. How are you doing? And you may, not, you may think that means I'm trying to boss you around. No, it's not. I want you. I want what's best for you. And it's true in any relationship that we're, where we're in authority. We want what's best for the people that we're leading, right? I want what's best for my children. You want what's best for your wife and household. 
It's for the glory of God that we do all that we do. And if you're a single person, similarly, it's for the glory of God that you're living. God hasn't given you all that extra time. It says in the, in the, in the Scriptures that if you're a single person, you've got all that extra time to devote to serving Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? That is a God-given gift. Singleness is a God-given gift where, in which you can serve Christ and be fulfilled as well. So it's selfless. And probably, as it, very importantly, our submission and authority in healthy relationships is a light in this dark world. People are pulling their hair out. How do I raise my children? I'm not saying it's easy in the church at all. I'm saying, though, the Bible gives us ways to do it, skills to do it, understanding on how to do it. How do I have a healthy marriage? How do I have a healthy marriage? The Bible teaches you to be selfless, like Christ, loving, not harsh, proactive. I could read more about that. I really have run out of time. I'll end with this. Take, my second point, take responsibility for your relationships. Whatever your relationship, and some of them there'll be, you'll have a number of them. You may be single, take responsibility for it. What does God want to do with your singleness? You may be a husband. Seek God. Where does God want your family serving Him? Similarly, if you're a single parent, what does God want to do in your family? Take responsibility as mum or dad. Seek Him. Seek His grace. Take responsibility. You are responsible for your obedience to God. No one can make you obey. The Bible and Colossians is full of encouragement to make good decisions. If we just pick out a few things in Colossians, you are to put to death certain things. You are to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. No one can take responsibility for your obedience to God's word. You have to do it yourself. God has given us his word. He's given you... Um, his will, and you are responsible to respond to his will. And what you'll notice in these, in these verses, he addresses all of the parties involved. He addresses wives to submit. In other words, no one can make you do it. No one can make you do it. You have to choose to do it. Have you noticed how, God, how Jesus... You know, Jesus is very tender with us, isn't he? Jesus rules us. Jesus rules you. But you notice how he, his leadership works. He draws you, doesn't he? He doesn't beat you up. He doesn't make you submit. Don't make me submit. I've made some horrendous mistakes. 
He's always been so tender to me, always kind to me, always gracious to me, always patient, gives me time. And normally I, I, I see, I see his way and I think, Lord, forgive me. And that's the way it works. We are responsible to respond to God. You, as a wife, need to respond to his words. As a child, you are responsible to respond to him. As a father, you are responsible to take responsibility for your role. Take responsibility as a dad. Take responsibility as a mum. How does God want you to grow and to change? Each of, you, each of the relationships is addressed as responsible. It's not husbands, make your wives obey, is it? It's the wife who's addressed first. Wives, submit to your husbands. Slaves, dignity, obey your masters. You have to do it from your own heart. No one can make you do it. Sometimes relationships are painted like this, like tennis, aren't they? You pick up your tennis, tennis racket and you serve. You will submit. <clears throat> no, I won't. <clears throat> yes, you will. <clears throat> Married breakdown, right? Or there's the other one. You stand at the other end of the court. I'll be kind to you if you're kind to me. So, oh, darling, I've done this for you. Oh, because you've done that for me, I'll do this for you. Because you've done that for me, I'll do this for you. Because you've done that for me, I'll do this for you. It's a kind of like, I'll do if you do. What I'm saying in, these, in this scripture is this. You do. You take responsibility. Alid spoke last week about forgiving. You don't forgive because people are nice. You don't forgive, forgive because people say, oh, I understand. Oh, yeah, I know I was wrong. Sometimes people don't know they were wrong. Sometimes they totally disagree with you, but we still forgive. Our peaceful, godly relationships are not based on what anybody else does. They're based upon our responsibility. Christians, we take responsibility every time to bless our relationships. It's not like tennis. And I was thinking it through. What's it more like? It's more like rowing. I've never done any rowing, really. As I understand, it's more like rowing. In rowing, it's like this. Each rower, so if you imagine in the church or in the family, each person rows as well as they can. Even if the person in front of you isn't rowing as well as they could or isn't as good as you, you row as well as you can. Within the church, we all need to be taking responsibility to row well. Good relationships. We take personal responsibility to row well. So are you a wife? Are you a husband? Are you a child? Are you a father? Are you a mother? An employee? An employer? A single person? Are you a member of this church? Are you a small group member? Are you a small group leader? Are you taking responsibility to bless those relationships? 
to really build those relationships, take responsibility for those relationships? Have you let your small group leader know, you know what, I'm for you. I'm for you. I want to support you. I'm with you. It's emotionally draining what you're doing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm for you. Have you let Paul Mann know, I'm with you. I'm for you. I want to take responsibility for this relationship. I want to serve you. How can I serve you? You see the difference? We take responsibility for our relationships. And a simple way of doing this, and then I'll finish, of taking responsibility for our relationships is to do what's called roles and goals. I can't remember who I learned this from now. Basically, you look at your roles in life. What are you? I'm a... So personally, I am a husband, I'm a worshipper first. That's my role, yeah? I'm a lover of God. That's one of my relationships. I'm a husband. I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a, a father. I'm a brother. And you could keep going, couldn't you? I'm an elder, in my case. I'm a neighbour. I'm a citizen. I am a friend. I'm a learner. I'm other things as well, which I won't go into. What are your roles? What are your, beyond obviously this passage, who are you? What are your relationships? And then from those relationships, you then write yourself a little kind of, what would, be, what would I want to be? If I, as a worshipper, what do I want to be? This is, let me... Let me if you could just um, bear with me. I'll, I'll just give, I'm just trying to set you an example here that you, you, maybe you could do this for yourself. This is what I, I wrote for myself, right? About a worshipper. I am devoted to God's glory in all that I do, seeking to develop and love, a love relationship with him through a range of spiritual disciplines. Now, you may write something different. Okay? I'm a husband. I've never told you this, have I, Helen? This is what I wrote about, about my relationship. I know, I, I fall, uh, this is the best. This is what I want, right? This is the best for, for Helen. This is what I wrote. My, hus- my, wife, my hus- wife, even, is my best friend whom I serve, protect, nurture, and provide for. Okay, so that's my, my role. And that's what I want. That's my vision. What about, I'm a father. My children are nurtured in a safe, secure, and fun environment where they are taught through word and example the love of their Heavenly Father. I got, you, know, you get to a point, don't you, where you think, I, wa- I want to be all that God wants me to be, and I've got to take responsibility. No one is responsible for your growth, maturity, development. You're responsible before God, and with His Spirit... You can grow. And, and out of these things, set some goals. And I, I've written other things as well. But for example, um, let, me just, let me just read this, okay? I, I'm, fall, I'm, I'm so falling short of what I've written here, but anyway. I will continue dealing with the bins. Now you may say, that's... That's simple, isn't it? Wives, would you like your husband to deal with the bins? Yeah. That's just me. I mean, that's just what I felt. I think God, 
God, how could I improve? Deal with the bins. Oh, man. He may say something else to you, but how are you going to lead well? How are you going to take responsibility? So deal with the bins. You've got to be... Oh, I want to be a worshipper and glorify God through all I do. You've got to get down to sort of basics. Fix the fence. Paint the front door. Finish the tiling. (laughs) All right? It's got to be, you know... Worship's got to hit the ground, isn't it? Take responsibility for forming a budget. We kind of get there, haven't we? Kind of. Getting there. That includes some home renovation. All right? Review. You may think, He's, this is a bit silly, no, but to be honest with you, each time you look back at these, it, make, it, kicks you, it kicks you again and says, come on, Matt, take responsibility. Take responsibility. Review. I am not doing very well here. We have formed the budget, but I'm still not in the driving seat. I will take Helen away in the next two months. Have I taken you away? Yes! <laughs> so I've done that, and I'm doing the bins to a degree. Not as well as I should. So take responsibility is what I'm saying. You have different roles, different responsibilities, different relationships, and God wants you to be proactive, full of faith, and you may be saying, I'm a, you know, some of you are struggling, I know that. Some of you are single parents, some of you are single, some of your marriages are tough. Take responsibility before God. How can I take hold of this role, take hold of this relationship? Maybe your children, you're struggling with obedience, you're struggling with raising them. Well, what could you do? What could you do? that will bless that relationship. Maybe you could say, well, I'll take my son for a walk next weekend over Fairlight Country Park and I'll just try and build a closer relationship with him. What could you do? Maybe I'll just start praying with my wife or we'll start praying as a family over dinner. But each dinner time, we'll pray. It's achievable. We can do this. Moving forward. Taking responsibility for your relationships. Now, I've opened a can of worms here. I haven't explained lots of stuff. But that's where we're in today. Let's stand and we'll pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for your love. You are our Father. And that you did it all to save us. We weren't worthy. We weren't chasing after you. You took the initiative to love and to save. And thank you that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. And every day you are patient and kind and leading us and growing us. I pray, Lord, for this church that we would all grow in maturity and we'd all grow in your likeness. Each of us learning to know your love, learning to walk with you and please you in every way. And we pray for this town that many, many, many will come to know freedom in Christ, to know the love of God, to know the joy of knowing you, the dignity and the the, the 
the worth that we have in, in you, the health we have in you, and the eternal life we have in, have in you. Bless this town in Jesus' name. Bless this church in Jesus' name. Bless every marriage. Bless every parent, whatever position they're in. Bless every child. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a good day, guys, and uh, see you next week.